Hello and welcome to Questonia, the podcast about Estonian news and culture. I'm S. Garlic and I'm so happy to say that we can finally welcome back Marys Helland. Um, so uh, you, you've been travelling the globe, I hear, but particularly East Estonia. <laughs> yes, hello. Of course, travelling the globe almost always means um, edge of Europe. <laughs> Not about... <laughs> And uh, I'm I'm sure it was good to be there. So, uh, what what were you? What did you find out while you were there? Well, it was a it was a work trip, but it was um, uh, interesting to touch base um, with people after this hour of the truth that we experienced during the elections, where all these votes came for the cause and the left uh, um, program in um, party and. Um, and uh, see um, what people think. Okay, um, and uh, if, if obviously the the fact that these uh, pro-Russian parties, pro-Kremlin parties, uh, got votes, we we covered a bit last time. But uh, it, it, did it essentially emerge to you that it was a protest vote, or is there a bit more to it? It's um, quite clear from the meeting I had with these. Um, candidates of uh, the cause movement and the pals of Ivo Peterson that uh, they really actively work to promote a different uh, story of the country and of uh, events going um, taking place. So the, the basic um, narrative is that life has become so much worse all the time, like and when when you put that in 30 years perspective it's hardly a statement that has anything to do with reality really even for uh, someone in narva it it's just not true and um the way they um uh, uh, juggle with um all sorts of different numbers like saying oh estonia is increasing the defense budget to two billion euros and all of this ha- is being sent to ukraine and um you know that's just the most outrageous uh, statements and it's uh, it's uh, it somehow qualifies to the big lie theory that uh, you they just um, say these uh, quite outrageous things outrageous numbers and uh, um nobody uh, doubts it and um and yes and uh, and uh, pushing this victim uh, victim narrative of course as well is uh, is very uh, typical for them so um it was um quite a disturbing experience i must say actually hmm. And it's it's interesting as well when we sort of hold a mirror up to other countries' politics. Um, most of the time, when uh, when you hear someone uh, far right adjacent who uh, who tries to play a both sides argument, they will say, "Oh, but look at the far left." And usually, usually it's nonsense because usually there is no far left. But in this case. Estonia has actually got a far right, which um, has been, you know, known and um, which we've talked about many times, uh, as in Ekra and uh, their associates. But we do also have a radical far left, which is doing lots of damage, don't we? Oh, well, this, um, this was something that I think this has been uh, well disguised within the, the centre party vote uh, up until 
um, the last elections. And now we can see that there's uh, there's this uh, bunch of people like uh, uh, more than 10,000 people who actually um, Estonian citizens who um, who actually uh, uh, share these views. And uh, in terms of uh, sort of the economic interpretation of the of life in Estonia, um, there is no difference between this um, uh, far right and far left, if you like. Like, I mean, I, I don't think their approach sort of in um, socioeconomic terms is uh, even, uh, you can even uh, put that onto the left and right mm. um, scale. Definitely. And uh, we'll talk a bit about that later on. But uh, obviously, the big story has been the impact or the potential impact of the new policies um, suggested and uh, mandated by the uh, new coalition government. Um, I was celebrating the new coalition government the last time we spoke. And um, indeed, there is lots of good news for various parts of society, but there's also bad news for some people. Uh, so let's begin with the tax increases, which um, were the main part, I think, of the coalition programme. So um, I was looking through an article on ARR, um, public broadcasting, uh, basically saying who would be affected by the tax increases and how. And I, I guess uh, it um, I kind of left that feeling mildly relieved personally because it said the only people who will not be negatively affected will be uh, single sole traders with no children, no car and uh, no home of their own. So I thought, fine, that's the first that's the first time I've benefited from a tax increase. But uh, in, in all seriousness, we probably all have something to be concerned about there, don't we? It's... Uh... A way more complicated and there are many aspects that uh, we can discuss in this um, issue sort of that big headline and that was maybe a fail of the communication was that taxes go up by two percent so instead of a 20 percent personal income tax people will have to pay 22 but you would have to consider and uh, take into account that also the tax-free minimum goes up up to 700 euros per month which means that effectively the only per people paying more taxes personal income taxes uh, than now are people earning 8,000 euros per month I don't know many people who earn 8,000 euros per month do you well, um, I'm 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 still waiting for this podcast to uh, pay back in that way, but uh, no, not at the moment. <laughs> yes. So, uh, sort of the personal income tax bit is the most uh, straightforward, but still, people really are um, just read the headline, and I've seen like outrage and uh, frightened people saying, "Oh, how am I going to survive?" Um, and they clearly fall into the bracket where they are actually the ones to benefit from this um, so-called tax raise. So for for uh, the majority of people, actually, the personal income tax will go down instead of going up. Where this affects uh, everyone is the VAT increase by, uh, to, from 20 to 22%. What, this is going to affect all goods and services everyone buys but uh, 
and uh, and here we have uh, obviously this uh, classic uh, situation where, uh, like, according to the worldview of the Reform Party, everyone should be taxed um, proportionally, which in the end means that those earning less will actually um, pay more uh, because uh, a household that uh, spends most of their income on uh, uh, living costs, food, um, transport and so on will uh, end up paying most uh, most taxes uh, uh, in relation to their income. So um, that's a very uh, sort of uh, uh, right-wing approach to tax taxes, which uh, of course the social democrats were not um, terribly happy about. But then there are some other bits where you can see, I think uh, like when following the last week's media, there's almost like a competition of outrage and gloom and doom of different um, industries who, uh, who is going to uh, collapse and fall apart because of this new taxes. It's the cars, there's going to be a car tax introduced. And this is uh, not very clear yet how the, how that's going to work out, uh, what types of cars, where, etc. But uh, I think uh, overall, next to bringing money into the state coffers, it's also a good tool to uh, uh, get down the number of cars, which has increased so dramatically in Estonia over the last 10 years. So we really need to, to um, get a grip on it. And then there are other uh, elements like the Well, what the Estonian governments have been proud about is saying that Estonia has no tax and corporate profits. So um, this will remain, which is, again, uh, a right a right wing um, economic policy to, to follow. But uh, the payments of dividends will be taxed uh, at 22 instead of 14 percent. So um, uh, entrepreneurs and businesses will effectively pay somewhat higher taxes, which I think is uh, a justified thing. <laughs> so o overall, it's not like the headline is uh, of course, always simplifying, it says tax raise, but it doesn't mean tax raise for each and everyone. So for probably for you and for me, it's not going to change much. Yeah, and um, it, it's uh, also uh, come with the ending of that uh, massive family benefit for when people have their third child, which was, uh, I, I think I'm right in saying, mostly an Isamar-driven uh, policy in 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 terms of uh, um, it, it was it was seen as a way to um, stop the dwindling population of uh, of uh, native Estonians within Estonia, but uh, uh, that's that's now been stopped and replaced by or um, replaced by what they hope will be a more balanced family benefit hasn't it yes it, they are um, decreasing this uh, big jump uh, by 200 euros so it's not a it's still there's still a massive incentive for the for a child but uh, not quite uh, quite a big jump as it uh, as it was pushed through by summer 
And um, what will this do to inflation? It, it, it seems like uh, the debate on inflation has pretty much been memory hold just because uh, it's seen as such an impossible task to solve. Uh, I, I, I really feel that uh, the question over why Estonia has had, um, I, I know we can argue about whether it's higher than Latvia at the moment, but has had for so long the highest inflation rate in, in the EU states and was, was pushed to one side during the election campaign. Certainly reform didn't want to touch it and uh, it felt like the, uh, the, the opposition parties didn't really either in any constructive way or at least not in the way of actually talking about how it might have happened in the first place. Uh, can, can we finally admit that um, get, allowing people to close and withdraw their second pillar pensions and just flooding the economy with uh, with money for people to buy cinema screen TVs and new cars uh, was what caused that that rush on pri- on prices last year? I uh, would love to uh, um, blame it on that, but uh, it probably is not true. It, it probably plays uh, some role in it. But Latvia, Lithuania, who have enjoyed the same kind of uh, inflation figures, did not have this uh, pension uh, scheme uh, uh, withdrawal um, uh, story. So um, um, most likely the explanation is still uh, war in Ukraine, energy crisis. So that's what's, um, what's driven it up. and. Uh, and also, uh, so again, the relative um, low me- median income of Estonians, Latvians, Lithuanians, also Hungarians, who had a massive inflation even higher than than uh, the Baltic countries, uh, because because of the um, the share of income that people uh, just give out for food and uh, basic. Uh, basic needs so uh but that's off the off the table everyone uh, uh, is uh fighting and uh yelling and screaming about two percent tax hike uh and forgotten about the 25 percent inflation just uh six months ago i use the the hurt knee uh analogy quite a lot if you hurt your knee a while ago and you, and you don't bother to see the doctor, eventually you forget your knee is hurt and you just, you just think you're naturally an angry person. I think that's what's happening here. And it, th- this is not just um, anecdotal. That there is, there is evidence that a lot of these prices are going up regardless of the price of resources. Um, I, I was walking through uh, one of Central Tallinn's markets, the Baltian market, recently, and I saw borscht, which is uh, you know a, a famously cheap Russian soup. Uh, which is uh, sold in these massive containers uh, um, which are left on the heat all day. I saw that at uh, five euros a bowl. Now, if you're telling me that uh, the worst offcuts from from beef are uh, worth five euros, then uh, fair enough. But I, I I think that there is lots there is lots of um, profiteering going on off the back of inflation and off the back of uh, sob stories about needing to increase prices because of the cost of labour and and or the cost of uh, goods. Um, another example, um, the uh, Estonia Reddit, which uh, is uh, one of my favourite pages, recently had a thread about uh, what's happened to Ben and Jerry's in Estonia. Um, sounds like a tiny thing, and of course you shouldn't buy Ben and Jerry's because because they were pro-Putin, but um, 
a tub of Ben and Jerry's uh, will cost you between nine euros and ten euros, depending on the supermarket you go to. Um, you might say, well, it's a small market. Uh, we we don't uh, we don't have much demand for it here, except among um, idiots such as me with too much money to spend. But if you go to Iceland, which is not an EU state, so and uh, and is uh, does not have the same trading links, uh, then. It is apparently available in supermarkets in Reykjavik for around the €6.50 mark. So something is going on um, more widely with price gauging was uh, the uh, upshot of this Reddit thread. Um, I can't prove that, but I, th the thing that concerns me more is that the Competition Authority and the Consumer Protection Authority in Estonia don't seem to be making any effort either to prove it and uh, while, while there is this uh, smoke it's very difficult to uh, not see that there's fire if you know what I mean absolutely you're absolutely right and even I mean even Kaya Kallas with all her belief in market will fix everything has uh, mentioned that and asked uh, what's happening the energy prices have uh, come down energy has been costing like three cents kilowatt and uh uh, zero cents uh, for uh, some hours uh, during the night, uh, and it doesn't translate into the prices in the in the shops or in uh, in restaurants. Um, this this is something that tends to happen. The market hardly ever regulates it down. About the high price of Ben and Jerry's, I'm honestly happy. I mean, I I, I really have to restrain myself not to put uh, stickers uh, with some. Um, um, non, not nice uh, language on these uh, shelves in the supermarkets. Uh, I mean, they are funding some uh, pro Kremlin um, movements in in the states, so uh, that's bad enough. Yeah, yeah, but buy buy Estonian ice cream, folks. Anyway, um, so yes, the the tax increases uh, we feel have been slightly misunderstood, um, but. Uh, who will be affected worse by the tax increases? So obviously it's going to be car owners, uh, probably multiple car owners, I would have thought, with multiple children and their own home will be uh, most egregiously affected. But uh, are, are there any other people who should particularly worry? Well, in the end, it's uh, still people with the lowest income because uh, they're, uh, they will have to uh, spend more money on um, on food and on their basics. Mm. Yeah. That's uh, that's coming through because of the uh, because of the uh, VAT increase. I think, uh, like with many things in Estonia, uh, the complaint was at least partly the lack of communication over it, and. Um, I, I do feel that this is a cultural thing that maybe has spread to government now. The the idea of communicating bad news by not really communicating it. Um, there, there, is, there is a phrase I heard in Estonian recently, let it go sour, which is that if you don't tell someone bad news for long enough, then eventually when it's released, they might not complain. It's that idea. And uh, Kaya Kalas originally said that uh, it was unconstitutional to discuss tax increases during election campaigns because they could be deemed as a, as a referendum um she later uh um amended that view to say that uh we didn't talk about it because it's unpopular which i guess is at least honest but uh 
Uh, as a consequence, the Reform Party has fallen a couple of percent in the Norstat weekly poll, but uh, uh, not not enough to not be leading the poll. Um, and it looks as though ECRA has not been the beneficiary of this because ECRA is still stuck on 18%, which is roughly what their vote uh, was in the election. So... Uh, can can we see anyone um, uh, benefiting from the reform, reform Party's slip, or is it just going to basically turn people off politics because they are going to feel um, disenfranchised by this? It's early days. I wouldn't be um, too worried, uh, sort of the long term. But uh, clearly, the the ones most angry now are the Reform Party voters who believe this read my lips the tax will not raise so um, they are very very disappointed because that's been something that um, they have been told over decades and decades uh, don't touch the taxes easy simple taxes and at the same time I mean I, I really want to point out that every party running well except for the uh, nutcracks uh, from cause was uh, was um, saying we will increase the defense budget to three percent of the mm. GDP. So uh, uh, anybody in his or her sane mind would ask, where does this money come from? Are we really going to uh, uh, cut uh, pensions, teachers' salaries, etc., to fund this uh, this uh, increase? The vote was, the election was about uh, defense, about security, and that has a price tag. So, uh, I mean, it's uh, political technology, why the Reform Party didn't dare to be honest with their uh, voters and is trying to say, oh, yes, we, uh, we raise the taxes because the Social Democrats want to raise the taxes. The Social Democrats don't want to raise the taxes. Uh, they just uh, were honest and said there, uh, this has to happen in order to fund this. I mean, if we don't, um, if we do, and clearly that was that has a mandate. The the defense spending has a mandate because everyone understands if we don't uh, uh, do this. Um, the, we, we're not going to discuss pensions. We're not going to discuss teachers' salaries because we're going to be dead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, there is a clear mandate for that. And I think, uh, I, I guess the reform voters are just really disappointed that uh, they were held for uh, stupid in a way, you know, be honest, be brave. And, uh, and that's something that um, Reform Party has um, has to um, deal with. Yes, although uh, um, the, the Reform Party um, approach to government was... Uh, I, I remember uh, back in 2011-2012, Justin Petrone on his previous blog uh, wrote that it was a father-knows-best approach from the then Prime Minister Andres Anzip. I, I feel like uh, maybe his, uh, his descendants in the government, uh, his successors in the government rather, have kind of inherited that approach. Uh, I, I, I don't particularly rate Kaya Kalas's communication skills when it comes to domestic politics anyway, but I, I think the, the whole party has uh, a part to play in that. And uh, yeah, the, um, 
the communication could have been so much better as it could have been during the energy crisis last year as well. Yes, you are absolutely right. But, uh, um, well, that's where we are now. So they have to um, take the beating and um, um, get on with that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And uh, the, the other thing to mention is that, like you said, money doesn't come for free. And I've seen a lot of opinion pieces recently, essentially um, um, doing a kind of a tip on the idea that the Estonian economic miracle is coming to an end. Um, that, uh, you know, the 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 idea started by the likes of Mart Lahr um, and uh, brought in with the flat income tax uh, uh, was was now transforming into something uh, far worse for most people. I would argue against that idea because I think that um, uh, for, for much of the time that uh, economic miracle was funded by essentially public service workers, unlike in, say, France, being unwilling to go on the streets and protest. I, I think that uh, w- when you have public service workers such as teachers, d- nurses, um, etc., who are willing to work at an incredibly high standard, actually, if you go to any hospital or school for bargain basement wages, I, I think you do end up with um, an economic miracle. But eventually that, that has to come to an end because everyone's got to buy bread eventually, haven't they? Yes, there was a very good analysis and it's uh, actually by uh, an Estonian uh, economist um, today in Marlecht, of all places, Peter Lochmos, a uh, World Bank analyst, saying that uh, the proportional flat tax was uh, very appropriate in the 90s because everyone was basically poor. There were no rich people, so a uh, progressive tax... Uh, system would not even have made sense but this has changed and uh and this needs to be adapted yeah and um i i don't see any big controversy in um allowing people who work in public services to earn at or above the average wage either i I think that uh, that 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 should be something that the state is the state is uh, is 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 based upon but it hasn't been up to now so uh, um hopefully some changes in not just teachers salaries but also um uh, nurses salaries will come through as well and other public service workers but uh, the social democrats have uh, of course been been at work and uh, they they demanded that increase in the minimum wage in return for these tax increases um have they got it <laughs> it it's been a back and forth so it's uh it's in the agreement, but actually the wording is, or the mechanism to do it is, as is customary, that the minimum wage is being negotiated in a free way uh, deal of uh, the employers, of the unions and the government representatives. And this is only a- about to take place um, in uh, in a month or so. So. Uh, it was a bit, uh, the intention is there in the agreement, but um, sort of the, the customer, the traditional way uh, pin it down is in these, in these uh, negotiations. Um, moving on to one or two of the ministerial appointments, um, a, a lot of the ministers have kept their previous portfolio, um, particularly um, in positions such as defence, where Hanno Pevkor uh, continues as defence minister. Um, I think in 
peacetime in normal time, if you like, uh, that might have been under threat considering the Nursi Palu uh, um, army training ground controversy. Uh, but uh, I, I guess that probably uh, the government wished to keep defence in the same hands just because of, well, waves hands, literally everything else that's happening. Uh, it, it was important to keep a safe and reliable pair of hands there, wasn't it? Absolutely. I, do, I completely agree with that. So that was never to debate. But uh, um, in terms of the SD200 ministerial appointments, the one that stuck out to me was uh, former former leader of the party, former former chair of the party, uh, Christina Callas, no relation to the prime minister, who um, is part Estonian and uh, part ethnic Russian and uh, is in the position of uh, education minister. Now, um, I know you rate her very highly and um, I, I, I know from talking to you that uh, you, you have said that you wish that she was still leader of the party. But uh, uh, do you think that education is a good portfolio for her? And uh, what, what do you see as being her strengths as a minister? That was the absolute priority for AST200 to have this portfolio. So like the way the ministerial posts are being uh, shared is that like each takes a turn from their priorities and that was their top priority because she has been wanting to do that for such a long time and i think she's really well positioned to do this because of her own uh, professional and educational and personal background and because of the challenge uh, of um, uh, transferring the education to Estonian as the curricular language. I think this is this was uh, was really really to be expected that she would um, definitely like to have her hands on it. Um, in t- in terms of the uh, slow speed of transition from uh, uh, from from Russian schools to Estonian schools, um, the the plan for a long time, of course, has been that uh, uh, so 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 called Russian schools, where the majority of the curriculum was in Russian until recently, would would be teaching in sixty percent Estonian uh, language by now. Um, that's not happened due to well, in in part, the slowness of people to want to do that, but also, uh, and and also pushback, uh, but also partly because it's just been too difficult to recruit teachers uh, in um in in areas that most need the transition to the Estonian language. Um, do 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 you see any particular change in that respect happening? And how is government policy changing regarding the transition to a Estonian language education system? Uh, well, the uh, the only indication of a change is um, compared to the previous government, uh, where Denis Lukas was holding this position in a very uh, sort of tight uh, and uh, rigid manner. Is that Kristina um, Kallas has said that they need a um, transition plan? tailor-made for each and every school because each and every school in different regions and towns is uh, is different and has different needs so there might be some uh, more flexibility in approaching it but i think overall the the problem is not lack of teachers or lack of uh, resources it's lack of will and um, that's my uh, uh, 
diagnosis from uh, <laughs> visiting different schools in in very very russian speaking areas where you have a school where uh, the headmaster is um, clearly dedicated to that idea they can manage and they have success and where you have a school where the headmaster really doesn't want the change nothing happens and uh, how, how much of that can we really blame on the I, I trust me i would love to blame everything on the center party but uh, i i imagine that the, uh, this this problem runs much much deeper than that uh, and and the thing is, when it comes to changing hearts and minds, it's a lot more difficult than changing government policy or changing economic policy. So, um, how how do how does any government even approach a situation where uh, a majority of people in certain areas don't want to make that change? Um, in in the end, it w it won't happen unless there is will. Will will it? Yes, I think. Uh... The, the main driver has to be really actually parents and uh, older students themselves because the, uh, when they realize that their opportunities in life here are way better uh, if they have the, have the language skills at, at this level, like only an Estonian language uh, school can provide then this is the this is a change there is also an attempt to recruit more um, um, foreign language teachers um, who can teach for example French Spanish and German because uh, um, m many schools even at the elite level uh, if we think about uh, Gustav Adolf gymnasium for example which is one of the oldest and uh, highest ranked schools in Tallinn um, only currently offer Estonian and English and Russian as uh, languages of tuition so that there is there is a need for more teachers to teach these different languages and um, again it's it's difficult to recruit because there hasn't been the incentive for teachers to a come to Estonia and B if they are in Estonia um, go to the particular schools where where they're required um so again it's 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 a question of uh, education but it's probably a question of offering incentives for people to come to Estonia and teach these languages. Uh, then, of course, you get to the question of the state teaching qualification, which is very particular and is uh, quite difficult for a foreigner to actually attain. So I don't quite know how they're going to square this. And there's there's plenty in Christina Callas's in-tray, isn't there? Absolutely. But I think she's extremely qualified um, to master that. If anybody, then she can do it. And, you know, um, clearly why she wanted this position where you would think that um, education is a soft portfolio. I mean, her whole idea in going into politics has been this so-called big plan, the long plan. And what better uh, caters for that than education, than uh, investing in uh, good education and fighting for for uh, for this field. So, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I wish her all the best. There's lots to do, but uh, but uh, she's uh, she's uh, very good, um, a very good match for that position.
Um, we'll we'll talk about energy in just a moment, but uh, ju just very ju just very briefly, um, I I know that you're also a huge fan of uh, uh, the SD two hundred party chairman Lauri Hussar, and you you you, it, you you must have been very sad when he declined a ministerial appointment and instead instead decided to run for speaker of the Rigikogu. Um, what what do you make of that? I mean, it's become something of a fashion, hasn't it, for coalition party leaders to opt out of ministerial appointments. Uh, Yuri Ratas did it so that he could take part in the Estonian version of Dancing with the Stars. And uh, now Lauri Hussar, according to at least one satirical article, uh, fancies his chance of losing some weight and learning how to dance. Um, is, is there more to it? D does he just want to be uh, outside of the mess and able to act as an opposition minister or... What what is what is his thinking? And uh, in all seriousness, would he have added anything to the uh, cabinet if he'd been a minister? It's um, it's a really a troubling issue. I mean, uh, from uh, what I've heard from the coalition talks, he was he was not terribly uh, substantial. Uh, in his knowledge on different fields. Um, so perhaps, uh, uh, you know, coming from a, a background as a journalist, uh, uh, what we tend to be, we, d we tend to know a little bit of a lot and not uh, a lot of anything. And maybe it seemed that um, this is, uh, 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 yeah, this um, this background is best uh, used in uh, just uh, running the show in Rigigogo, but uh, it's it's uh, not going to be easy. I mean, even the first days uh, of the new Rigigogo show that um, there's all sorts of procedural tricks that the opposition is very very skilled in uh, in using to delay. Uh, different issues and I mean I'm just thinking of uh, someone as experienced uh, an experienced speaker like Eikinest or he would have handled it uh, really well because he has all the procedures like uh, present uh, whereas a newcomer who has not even been an MP I think this is quite a daunting task actually to handle this position. In incredibly so, and uh, it, it looks like Yuri Ratas uh, might actually take the deputy speaker's position as well, which uh, obviously, again, we're we're both huge fans of his, and we're we're glad to see him maintaining a position in frontline politics. Um, but uh, um, also. Um, the, Considering we again welcome back uh, morons such as Kara Gruntal, the uh, backbench ECRA member, who w was known for standing up and asking the most moronic derailing questions of Kaya Kalas during uh, PM's questions. Um, considering we've, we've got people like him back on a, um, on, on a uh, replacement mandate for Yark Madison, it, it uh, doesn't look good for any Speaker of the House. And it it is something of a fall from the days of Aki Nestor. I mean, uh, for those who aren't aware of him he was he was such a knowledgeable man he was uh, one of the senior members of parliament uh, when he took that position of speaker and um i i think uh, just had a tremendous manner um about him which meant that uh, uh, 
even if someone strongly opposed him or strongly opposed to his uh, social democratic party's uh, view they they would still respect him as an individual um i i liked him very much as speaker i wish we could go back to those days when the most senior or most revered member of a party would take that position yes i mean smart and likable and witty all at the same time so these were the days <laughs> but Indeed. we have what we have <laughs> Indeed. So quickly on to energy, uh, because uh, one one good thing the coalition government announced, um, well, actually several good things, but one of the good things was that uh, they have announced a freeze on building any new oil shale mining facilities. Um, this, this was needed, but uh, it also signals that the green turn is not completely dead, at least, uh, no matter how much uh, they try to cut down all the remaining trees in Tallinn, um, that uh, th th there is still a green turn. Now, Alar Karas, the president, uh, said in, an, in a wide-ranging interview last week uh, that he thought the green turn should be considered more of a gentle curve. He felt that uh, we, can do, we can do these things too quickly and upset the apple cart. I, I'm aware that uh, as a former scientist and as also a, the, the president who is non-political or is supposed to be non-political, um, uh, th that that was a view he could hold without necessarily holding any sway. But it it did seem to me to be an outdated position, particularly for a physical scientist to hold. And I'm wondering why he would say that before a seemingly radical liberal government would come in. It's just uh, generally being very, very careful because there's, uh, uh, in particular from the opposition rows, there's a... Uh, a lot of uh, protest being uh, being uh, drummed up around the Green Deal and about around the uh, uh, climate warming um, issues. So he is, um, I think, he tends to uh, uh, be very very careful and not take uh, strong positions on on issues, which I find in this case extremely sad. It's not. It's not. Uh, a question of um, sort of uh, value alignment. It's a question of um, survival of the human race. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's. I, I don't I don't actually understand when the environment became a culture war issue as far as I'm concerned um, uh, ha having having the ability to heat your house yes but also having the having the ability for your grandchildren to live in some form of you know livable comfort uh, the, I don't consider those to be party political issues but I'm aware I'm I'm outdated in that view uh, I I also um despair when you get opinion articles um, constantly knocking the idea of climate change being a serious issue on Estonian public broadcasting and in also the biggest Estonian papers. It, it, it does feel like uh, whenever there's an environmental issue being discussed at the highest level, they always wheel out the same opinion columnists with the same outdated views about why we shouldn't, why this isn't Estonia's fight to fight. And I, I just wonder why this, why this doesn't change, because as much as the media, you know, reflects opinion rather than influences opinion, it, it does also have a role to play in helping the green turn to actually happen. Yes, you're absolutely right. And there have been uh, many... Uh or there have been a few quite um, substantial um, 
analysis on on this issue exactly on the narratives in the Estonian media on this uh, on this topic, and the results have not looked pretty. But uh, well, luckily, I mean, this is one point where we can actually be uh, uh, be happy with the uh, with the results of the coalition talks, and it was not an easy ride. I mean, there were business interests at the table. Uh, pro oil shale, pro uh, more logging. Uh, at least for now, the wording looks promising, and um, well, let's hope um, it stays that way. Yeah, in, indeed, let's hope. And uh, to to finish on uh, another bit of hope, um, I was discussing the uh, um, surprise U-turn on uh, marriage equality. looks Looks like it's uh, it's definitely going to uh, reach uh, parliamentary time, and as they have the majority, it will it will almost certainly pass. But uh, I the the best remark I heard on that was that uh, uh, was uh, from a gay man who said uh, he liked the fact that he could get married, but he didn't plan to. And uh, uh, the phrase that was used was uh, gay marriage is a bit like nuclear weapons. It's good to have the option, but you don't want to use it. Very suitable, very suitable. But it, it's it's more a symbolic gesture and it's uh, it's a way to put Estonia to shift us west more or less on the on the uh, on the world map yeah and and uh, considering estonia is so proud of being the first among the former soviet states to do so many things i think it would have been a major body blow as uh, um, indeed voltella pay said last week it, I think it would be a major body blow if Ukraine were the first former Soviet state to have brought in marriage equality, particularly as the um, prime minister was arguing that um, because we have a war in Ukraine, we can't have nice things like that. I, I think the uh, the fact that Ukraine actually took steps to um, bring that through eventually was perhaps what forced Estonia's hand. I don't know. What's your opinion on that? <laughs> quite possible but also perhaps uh, um, it was a, a way to give a bit of good news uh, sort of undisputed good news for their own electorate um, in the light uh, in the on the background that the rest of the news is not very good at all so yeah it's uh, good good to have a candle among all this bleakness anyway um and uh Talking about candles among all this bleakness, Ivo Pettersson, who was the leader of the Course Party, which then um, formed an election pact with the United Left Party uh, for the last election, was arrested, uh, having taken several trips to Russia that were monitored closely by Estonia's security police, Capo. Uh, he also uh, was found to have taken trips to Donetsk uh, and uh, um, after the beginning of conflict in Ukraine. Um Obviously not a nice piece of work and um, obviously someone who um, we can be glad was arrested. But uh, um, it, it was interesting to see Arnold Sinisalu, who is obviously, as the head of the security police, normally a very quiet figure, actually giving media interviews on this. Uh, do, do you think that there, he has reason to see it as important to uh, go and front up on this and explain exactly why this was done? And do you think that he's done it partly to... Um, avoid the opposition from growing because of this? That's uh, a tricky situation. I think, I mean, the supporters, of course, 
are obviously uh, convinced this is a political process and political prosecution and uh, he has done nothing wrong but uh, for uh, for the whole Estonian society and the sense of security I think it's a it's an important signal uh, that uh, someone like that undermining the security and undermining the whole uh, a sense of self, if you like, um, just can't um, keep doing that unpunished. I think that's something that uh, the majority of Estonian people really uh, expect. Yeah, and it feels really scary because um, hitherto, at least in the time that I've been in Estonia, the, the idea of Russian agents uh, within politics was was something sort of toyed with and there are people who we could i'm sure both na- both both name who um have um gi- given off the suspicion of being at least aligned with the aims of putin but uh, it's it's uh, it's usually been a suspicion concentrated within the center party and as such quite a sort of manageable thing in terms of uh we we know the people. We have a lot of information on them, and we we know we we know where they are and what they're doing because because they're very easy to follow because they're public figures. Um, now that we have parties growing in strength like the United Left Party, like the Course Party, it it does make it rather more difficult to track uh, potential Russian influence within Estonia, doesn't it? Well, I hope they have their eyes on them. That's all um, that I can say. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back with uh, more very soon. Uh, Questonia Culture is a new branch off of this podcast, which uh, I interview Britta Virves, the uh, jazz pianist um, who has released her first solo album for the first edition of that. Of course, we have done culture before. We interviewed Kadri Vorand a couple of years ago uh, about Verio Tormis and We'll continue doing bits and pieces culturally because it's nice to not always have to talk about uh, political stuff, particularly when it's so bleak as it seems to be today. But Maris, uh, thank you for keeping a smile on your face through this podcast. And uh, we will return very soon with more Questonia and more uh, news and culture from Estonia. Thank you very much. Thank you.